You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Diageo Bar Academy. Learn more at diageobaracademy.com. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. Hey, hey, welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni, I'm the host, and it's Tuesday, November 1st, 2022. We're doing a special episode talking with the Diageo Bar Academy. Um, this is one of their special shows that we're doing on Heritage Radio Network. And I'm uh, lucky to have a, a recent champion of a cocktail competition here. Um, Jesse, you, you're going to introduce yourself, and we have a lot to talk about today. So thanks for joining me. Hi, Jimmy. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm excited to be here. Uh, my name is Jesse Pollock, and I am a bartender in Minneapolis, Minnesota, but I'm presently more widely known as the USBG Presents World Class, sponsored by Diageo, Bartender of the Year for the United States. Yeah, see, that, that's amazing. I mean, I just know what it takes to, to compete on any level, but let, let's talk about your backstory and then, in particular, like the, the arc of this competition. And then, of course, we'll talk about some of your uh, award-winning cocktails. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been bartending since about 2015. And I was actually previously in academia. And it just uh, wasn't quite fitting for me. I took a bartending job really just for fun and absolutely loved it. Right away, I got excited about creating cocktails and creating connections with guests and hospitality. And it's kind of just been go, go, go ever since then. Uh, this year, competing in world class, it was the first time I've ever entered world class. It's a massive bartending competition that is global. It's known around the world by uh, industry professionals. And I did the thing this year and ended up winning, which was pretty exciting. Wow. So what was the first competition? I mean, you obviously started somewhere. Before world class, I have done a lot of competitions. And I chose to do competitions as a way to kind of better myself, sort of hone my craft, learn, meet people, and also to get travel opportunities. And so done a lot of them. Uh, different ones have stuck out to me. I always really love Speed Rack. Speed Rack is a charitable competition. So it raises money for breast cancer research and awareness. And it highlights women bartenders, which is something, of course, I'm excited to be part of. No, that that's really great. Um, you know, when, when I was starting out, you know, people didn't talk as much about you know, sustainability, grain to glass, but it, it's really front and center in, in so many things that, that we're talking about. And I know we're going to dive into that today as well as part of the Diageo Bar Academy. Um, you know, what does sustainability mean to you as, as a bartender? And, um, you know, there's so many things like water, climate, um, you know, and diversity, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited that so many people are talking about this at this point, because I feel the same way as you when I started bartending, which wasn't that long ago, but it still just wasn't really like at, you know, it wasn't part of the zeitgeist. It wasn't on people's minds as much. I remember going to Tales of the Cocktail and seeing a trash tiki pop up where they took waste ingredients and made them into new cocktail ingredients. And I was just blown away. And right away, I thought like, I want to incorporate that into 
my programs and what I do. And so I really think sustainability when it comes to the bar world is about how can we create beautiful, delicious drinks that are good for the world or certainly not bad for it. So thinking about the carbon footprint and then again, like food waste and water waste are both huge in restaurants and bars. And of course, in production of spirits and all the products that we put into cocktails. And so we need to think about how we can reduce all of that. Yeah, it's important. I mean, do you think that things just need to be more transparent or do we need to have some kind of, uh, you know, meters on things? Like, for example, I know in some breweries, they they have to monitor how much water they use because, you know, there's a lot of cleaning involved and that's water too. Exactly. You know, the first thing that really stuck out to me when I just started bartending was at the end of every night, how much water we would waste in a bar, just burning ice, like things like that, that really do add up. So I think that, you know, things being transparent is important, but also just like absolutely setting goals for ourselves is really crucial. Um, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm here with Diageo Bar Academy and Diageo specifically is a large company that owns a lot of brands and they have like a plan set in place and a list of goals to reach by 2030 to reduce waste, to create uh, a more sustainable and kind of like inclusive and just better for the world policies throughout the company and throughout all of the companies that belong to them as well. So that's, that's the society 2030. That's right. Yeah. And so Society 2030 is essentially a 10-year plan because it's already been out for a little while to promote positive drinking, to champion inclusion within the industry, and then to pioneer grain-to-glass sustainability throughout all the brands and all of the endeavors that Diageo does. Wow. You know, when you say it, Jesse, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I, <laughs> so it's like what the world should be like in 2030 and, goal, and goals that we could we could achieve, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, with goals comes accountability, too. You know, it's so easy, I think, for especially for large companies to just kind of put out these super vague statements about like, we're committed to sustainability. And you're like, well, how? Like, show me, you know, I want receipts. And I think we're really seeing that even like generationally now where like consumers are not, they're not okay with just those vague promises anymore. They want to see receipts. They want to see what you're actually doing. And so by creating these goals, we're saying like, this is exactly what we're going to do over the next 10 years. Oh yeah. Hey, you know, one of the points is preserving water for life. And and I remember there was um, in New York city and union square green market, there's a a really uh, well-known native speaker who would often talk to people and say, you know, water is life, life is water, life is water, water is life. And, you know, it's the kind of thing that unless you don't have water, you don't think about it, you know? So it's like, it says preserve water for life is is one of the points of this, the Diageo program. I mean, when you think about beer and you think about, you know, besides bars, but, but making beer, it's not just the, the amount of water, it's that water is such an important part of beer and, and the same in spirits, you know? It's, it's, it's something that we take for granted, you know, if we didn't have good water, we couldn't have those spirits and, and the beer. Um, but how, how do you think about it? Like, I'm, you know, you're using water all the time. It, it's, it's a deep conversation. Um, all I think about is reducing ratios, but I, I think that the clean water is, is what's important too, you know? 
Yeah. I mean, that's such a good point that like you don't think about it unless you have a need for it. Right. I personally have never lived in, you know, like a, a, a real like drought concern area. So even just in my personal life, I've never had to like think about that much about like worry about how much water I'm using in my house or like what time of day I'm using it, whatever. And that's just sort of environmental of where I've always lived. Um, but as far as preserving water, I mean, for large companies, we've got these bigger initiatives that make sense, right? Which are exactly are like either reducing or also thinking about how to reuse water. So for example, yeah, when you're talking about producing beer or spirits, you have a lot of water that you're using for cleaning. You're also having to cool a lot of things. So like, how can those be, you know, systems that are actually combining that so you're using water for cooling that will then be used for cleaning or the other way around something so that you're basically like reusing as much as you can um on a much smaller like more local level in my bar i really again think about ice and think about how to reduce the amount of ice that's just going to end up going down the drain when i'm making cocktails yeah so is that there's another point it's like sustainability by design does that does that count you know, you're working on your, your your bar and you're trying to not waste ice or is it, a, is it a deeper meaning than that? I mean, I think when Diageo is talking about sustainability by design, they are really thinking about those ways in which spirits are produced. And specifically, the goal there is to use 30% less water for each drink by 2030 than what it would use to to make that today. And obviously, that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about a, a highball that's 30% smaller. We're talking about that 30% less water has gone into the production of the whiskey that goes into that um, into that highball. And then also specifically, you know, using, like, again, with design, think about using packaging that comes from recycled materials and then also is completely recyclable is going to absolutely reduce water waste because you're not talking about that much production of new new products. Yeah, so it's the whole process. It's the cleaning. It's it's uh, everything. Cooling, you know, can be water. Um, it's really interesting. Well, let's go back to your cocktails. I mean, I'm still fascinated. I mean, you 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 won this world world class competition, um, you know, sponsored by Diageo, and I I'm in awe of you. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you make one mistake. I mean, what what? Just you know, walk me through like the finals. How about that? And and I want to talk about yeah. a, couple of, a couple of your cocktails, like. The, the one that you're making with Kettle One or the one with uh, Tequila Don Julio, uh, just be great to go through those as well. Yeah, about it. Uh, I'm I'm still surprised, you know. I still <laughs> wake up every morning and assume like I'm going to wake up from the dream. I don't know. <laughs> um, but essentially, World Class is meant to be a bartending competition. Um, there are a lot of cocktail competitions out there where it's really about making one really great drink and then maybe talking about the ingredients within it or promoting a brand. World Class wanted to be something bigger than that. So it is meant to really test every part of what it means to be a great bartender. So that includes your ability to make delicious and thoughtful ingredients that go into a drink, then make a delicious, balanced, thoughtful drink. Do it quickly, do it cleanly, and do it with great hospitality and tell a good story about that drink. So really kind of all of those things. Um, the competition starts out with thousands of people in anonymous, uh, like online only applications where they're really just writing out a cocktail recipe and telling you about it. And it goes through several levels of judging until we get to the live part of the competition, which of course is my favorite. 
the finals this year were in Nashville, Tennessee. They were very fun. It was the um, 15. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was 15 of the best bartenders from around the country. Uh, And like you said, it was kind of, there was not a lot of room for mistakes because they were pros. (laughs) Uh, and that was actually uh, two days of challenges and again, different challenges. Some that'll be more about like, how do you tell a story and like really connect with your guests? And then some that are about just like, how can you just make great cocktails, but really, really fast and really cleanly. What's a good story to connect with your guests? I mean, do, do you have a, a list of jokes that you practice every night? <laughs> some people do you know? oh i'm guilty of telling the same jokes over and over at least so i'm i work in minneapolis minnesota so it's really easy because you can always talk about the weather you know it's always doing something you don't like <laughs> so that's a go-to so wow so and you you know you won the competition um how important were, were the actual recipes that you did in this i mean the one's called the flip it's kettle one amontillado sherry that one sounds like right up my alley um, yeah, and then you have the Jungle Bird, which is with tequila Don Julio. Yeah, the cocktails are really important. I mean, it doesn't matter if you, you know, maybe you can tell a real good story and be super charming and provide great hospitality. But if like what's in the glass isn't tasty, you're just not going to get far. Um, that flip is a, a fun example of that. I really enjoyed that cocktail. So that was for a challenge presented by Kettle One Vodka. And the idea was to make it about your hometown somehow. So take something that is an ingredient that you connect with your hometown and manipulate it to put it in a cocktail. So for that, uh, I'm in Minnesota, like I said. And what I think of with Minnesota is apples. Minnesotans are obsessed with apples. Uh, the University of Minnesota actually created a lot of the world's most like well-known and recognizable apple varietals. Um, we've got a lot of like weird apple pride here. <laughs> well, yeah, oh, that's um, where the the Honeycrisp are from, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was going to ask, did you, did you know? Apples. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've read that story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Never get in a fight with a Minnesotan over apples. They take it very seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and then Minneapolis was like, is a cool story. It, it, it's I know a lot of writers that have moved there, and it seems like a very cool, culturally diverse city. It must be a great place to work. Yeah, but don't don't tell anyone. We're trying to oh, yeah? trying to keep it a secret. Yeah, <laughs> we're trying to keep small town vibes. So you know, keep that one, edit that part out. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, yeah, a little Mary Tyler Moore, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, yeah. So uh, for that cocktail, what I did is to to infuse apples into it. I actually used a local apple cider like an alcoholic cider that's made essentially like a pet nat cider and one of the apple varietals in there was honeycrisp i used that and then uh, a whole egg which is why it's called a flip a flip is like a classic cocktail that has a whole egg in it so like a really like rich creamy texture to it oh, yeah. apple cider kettle one vodka amontillado sherry and a cinnamon syrup shook that all up together so you got something that was like a little fizzy a little tart but really like creamy and complex as well Great. And then what glass did you put it in? I actually put that in a really cute little teacup. And I did that because one, I used, again, like I'm you know thinking about sustainability and I know Kettle One is thinking about sustainability. So I found some really good little thrifted teacups. I use that for the cocktail. And I also, I'm a big fan of those kind of visual tricks when it comes to cocktails, maybe like giving people something that isn't exactly what they expected. So 
this one, it had a really foamy texture to it. And it really looked more like a cappuccino in a glass. And so you'd be very surprised when you went in to take a sip that you're definitely not getting a cappuccino. Wow, that, that sounds really cool. Uh, well, I, I also love like English, you know, the English punches that, that are served in teacups too. So there's a lot of, uh, good, that's a great association, drinking out of teacups. It's also like kind of moderate too, isn't it? It's not like a large portion. Um, exactly. It's kind of a smaller size, totally. Yeah, it lends, lends itself to sipping. And so that's pretty good. And then you have the Jungle Bird Tequila Don Julio. Um, I think, and these, I think you referenced some of these on your, on your web, on your Instagram. What's your Instagram, Jesse? Cause I looked at it. You, you have some really cool stuff on there. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it is Jesse Pollock. That's it. It's my name. So J E S S I P O L L A K. That's me. All right. You can also go to uh, world class us is another option too, for um, where you'll get all the information on, on the world-class competition. If it's if something oh, wow. your listeners are interested in maybe applying for coming up soon the deadline is let's see oh my gosh it's in two weeks it's november 15th so coming up really quickly yeah i mean you know we we've we're primarily a beer show but but you know being on heritage Area network we're we try as much as we can to connect to ingredients and sourcing um and and we we do cover you know direct from farm and, and grains and malt and um you know we've done quite a few distilling shows over the year as well but cocktails is usually not in our in in our turf, uh, but we like it. <laughs> and I've seen a lot, Fun, more, all right. <laughs> a lot more places that 10, 12 years ago were diehard beer bars are now diehard beer bars with good cocktails. Um, so that's why I love to pick your brain because I'm always like, we need some new cocktails. <laughs> so Jungle Bird. I've been excited to see even like see like a, my local brewery that's right down the street from my house is like now has like beer slushies and beer lemonades and kind of like these little things where you can see that yeah they're kind of like recognizing that people are excited about cocktails right now and you can kind of like dive in with beer and offer a little more of a, a wider range of things i think it's it's cool to see yeah you know when you and when you talk about like you know promoting you know just you know positive drinking culture and stuff um mixologist is really has a role in that i mean you can definitely add ingredients like you added a, a local cider or you can add tea or, or other things um that d don't make it too strong in the drink you know yeah absolutely i personally i really love making non-alcoholic cocktails that's one of my absolute favorite things because i think they still really surprise people um when they get something that doesn't have any alcohol in it but is not just a big glass of juice. It's something that is delicious and well balanced and beautiful. They're they're really grateful and excited about that. Okay, so what what's what's a favorite non alcoholic cocktail that you make? Oh yeah, so you know you mentioned the Jungle Bird, and the Jungle Bird was um, that does have alcohol in it, but it was part of the speed round. So the speed round was creating eight drinks in 10 minutes during the national finals for world-class. And so it wasn't just, you know, a uh, beer and shot kind of drinks. It was like eight well-executed cocktails in 10 minutes. So it is not a lot of time that Jungle Bird was using um, tequila Don Julio and a red bell pepper syrup and pineapple juice, lime juice, a little bit of salt. But the non-alcoholic cocktail that I had in that same round, I thought was the best drink of the round. And it was using um, Seedlip Garden. So Seedlip is a non-alcoholic distilled spirit. 
And seafood garden is just like you crack it open and it's like you have cracked open a fresh snap pea from your garden. That's really like the aroma that hits you right away. So really like beautiful and like vegetal and bright and green. And then I used in the place of where you would normally use like lemon or lime juice, some kind of acid. I actually used tomatillo juice as the source of acid. And then just a little bit of sugar and an elderflower tonic to make that like a beautiful, super springy, uh, non-alcoholic cocktail. Wow, that's really great. So doing eight, eight cocktails in 10 minutes. I mean, that's like working a busy shift at a bar, isn't it? Very much so. And, you know, I've been more grateful for my bar since then, because usually when you're working in a busy bar like that, or at least in my case, when I'm working in a a very busy service, well, it's usually you can just kind of put your head down and and think about what you're doing and focus on it. Um, But as part of the competition, it was expected that you're also talking to the judges about the drinks that you're making. So you kind of have to, uh, you have to like separate your brain from your hands pretty much and make it so that your hands can be doing one thing while you're talking about something else. Wow. You're amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, we see some competitive shows on TV and and it seems like it's easy to drop something or or to just freeze up. Um, Definitely making the cocktail and talking sounds like a real challenge. (laughs) It took a lot of practice. I definitely practiced at it. I tried to really train myself ahead of time so that I had so much kind of muscle memory that even if I went like completely brain dead from nerves, my hands would just do what they were supposed to do. And I didn't actually have to think about that part too much. So, you know, fortune favors the well-prepared. That's a good line. Fortune favors the well-prepared. Hey, you know, back to your just ingredients, especially for that non-alcoholic cocktail. It sounds like you're, you know, kind of aware of sourcing from, you know, farm ingredients and, and vegetables and things. You, you want to talk about w- one or two of those, you know, syrups or, or base ingredients that, that, that you make as, as part of the, your bar setup? Yeah, absolutely. Because I bet, I bet so you make I, some really, really cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. I actually, um, I really enjoy, or, or a thing that I think about a lot when I'm thinking about ingredient creation is you know and you i'm sure you'll be so familiar with this if you're like tasting beer you know when you smell or taste a beer and you think like okay what are the notes in here what am i getting it's not enough to say apple right it's like is it a fresh like bright granny smith apple or is it like a cooked apple in an apple pie right like you think about kind of the state of the of the fruit So essentially, I like to think about that when I'm creating ingredients. And I think about in a cocktail specifically, what state do I want that ingredient to be in? So I really like something known as oleosaccharums. And oleosaccharums are one of the oldest cocktail ingredients there is. It is essentially a very flavorful, like citrus or fruit syrup. So essentially, if you were, let's say you were... uh, you know, worked for the Navy, the English Navy. And, you know, I had a bottle of rum that I was willing to share with you and you didn't have any rum, but you had some lemons and uh, our friend Armin over here also had some sugar. We're going to put that sugar and lemons together. We're going to put all the peels together with the sugar and actually have the sugar extract out all of the oils from the peels and we'll get a syrup that then we can mix with your rum and we can have a little party. So I think about that kind of thing when I'm making cocktail ingredients. So with oleosaccharums, I like to do things like strawberry oleosaccharum, where I take 
fresh strawberries and sugar, compress them together and leave it over time with no cooking at all until I get a really flavorful strawberry syrup that has some acid to it. But it also, it only has fresh strawberry flavor, like none of that like cooked like jam flavor to it. Yeah. Wow. What, what, what about anything else? Rhubarb and any, uh, any other Minnesota ingredients that, that you like? Ooh, good question. We definitely do use a lot of rhubarb here during the summer. I also, you know, as part of my sort of personal sustainability initiatives in my bar, I try to use as little, I try to really think about seasonality. So using ingredients, both that are like delicious during the summer and people are thinking about them, but also what actually makes sense. And so for example, we try to use very little citrus during the summer in my bar because even though you might want like a big, tall, refreshing cocktail, um, it might not, it, it doesn't make sense to use citrus because it's not exactly in season, right? It's taking more of a carbon footprint bump to get that citrus to us. There's more travel, there's more production involved um, versus during the winter when it's a little easier to grow citrus or, or to you know get citrus in Minnesota. So I think about things like like acids. Like I said, that um, non-alcoholic cocktail where like, great, I used tomatillo juice instead of lemon juice to get the acid. Or you can even use powdered acids like like malic or citric acid to make an acid um, uh, solution and use that in a drink. And it actually has a smaller carbon footprint than our fresh lemon or lime juice do during the summer. Yeah, no, the to- tomatillo juice sounds great. It sounds like making a gazpacho, a seasonal gazpacho. Um, Totally. <laughs> right. Also, you know, like old school shrubs. Um, what's a shrub? Like, is it, I, I, I know what a shrub is, but I want to kind of hear you tell me and, and yeah. if you, you make any with your drinks. Yeah, we do. I use shrubs uh, pretty often at my bar. Um, so shrubs are essentially the easiest thing to call them is drinking vinegars, right? So they were often, I think of them as like an old timey farmer beverage. And essentially... If you added some, okay, let's say you were working on a real hot day in a field. If you then just go and drink a bunch of water, there's a chance it'll make you sick because you've gotten really dehydrated and hot all day working hard. But if you added some vinegar to that and specifically like some juice, some sugar, some things that are going to give you a little more hydration, it'll actually make you less likely to get sick. So they started out that way, but they're really delicious. Essentially, you take some kind of vinegar some kind of fruit and some kind of sugar and mix them all together. So I recommend when people make shrubs that they think about the vinegar. Um, You don't necessarily want to use like just distilled white vinegar. Um, I would say, you know, save that for cleaning your kitchen because it's really, really vinegary, right? It's like, it's really going to bite you. So think about something that's a little bit softer on the vinegar side, like maybe a champagne vinegar. And then you can mix that with fruits. I like to use in my bar, I have uh, a shrub on the menu right now that has uh, raspberries in it. It actually has a mix of vinegars. Balsamic is one of them. So like raspberry, balsamic, and then mix it with sugar. And you just let it sit. You can you can cook it, but generally you're just going to actually combine everything and let it sit and turn into a shrub on its own until everything is uh, mixed together. And then you have something that you can use as an ingredient in either an alcoholic or non-alcoholic cocktail. And it's both sweet and free and a little acidic too. Oh, that sounds really good. You know, I've also had kind of like, not just straight pickle juice, but I've had shrubs that kind of taste like beet pickle juice shrub. (laughs) Um, Do you think there's a relation between people having, you know, some kind of pickle juice 
uh, in in a drink? Is that like a riff oh, on a shrub? Oh yeah, no, I think they're yeah they're they're super similar. I always you know I I mean personally I could drink the juice straight out of the pickle jar very happily, um, but I'm very aware that that's not everyone. And so I think when you're putting shrubs on menus or using them in your bar or even at a party, it's definitely smart to think about using things that aren't like really really vinegary because it definitely turns a lot of people off. Yeah. So, but it, so it seems like in your, you know, you're very conscious of your your cocktail design and having some balance and and freshness in there, and um, you're trying to use local ingredients, right? It's uh, it sounds really good and the way to go. Hey, um, you know, we're gonna take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Oh, hey, we were just talking with Jesse Pollock. She's the winner of the world class competition. Um, for Diageo Bar Academy. And to know more about it, Diageo Bar Academy equips bartenders, servers, managers, and hospitality professionals with insights, stories, and tools to be better while consistently raising the bar on industry standards. I like this. Diageo Bar Academy reaches a diverse audience with backgrounds and skill levels of all ranges, providing them with skills, knowledge, and techniques they need to improve their personal and professional lives. Uh, we had a great conversation, and we're still talking with Jesse Pollock uh, just about her journey uh, through this program. Well, here's your chance to enter. Want to try your hand at the biggest bartending competition in the world? The November 15th application deadline is quickly approaching for the 2023 season of USBG Presents World Class, sponsored by Diageo. World Class US is more than a competition. It offers a great opportunity for cocktail enthusiasts of all skill levels and backgrounds to test themselves. Join a community of industry professionals from around the world and ultimately become a stronger bartender. Uh, these results just in the global finals for this year, just wrapped in Sydney, Australia. And next year's finals will be happening in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Wow. DiageoBarAcademy.com hosts best-in-class educational content from world-class studios and application details. This is the biggest competition in the industry and applications are open to all hospitality professionals age 21 plus. So check out www.diageobaracademy.com. It has all the resources you need to prepare yourself to be a world-class bartender. Whether you are a seasoned bartender or just getting started in your career, visit diageobaracademy.com and click on the world-class tab for more information. You can be a winner too. And to wrap it up, visit diageobaracademy.com to build your skills. Take a world-class studio, masterclass, or e-learning, and take charge of your development in the bar industry today. Again, that's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. Must be 21 plus. Please drink responsibly. Hey, hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. Support us and become a member at Heritage radionetwork.org so we're talking with our world-class champion jesse pollock and about the diageo bar academy so jesse uh it's really great talking to you and um we've covered a lot of things sustainability um shrubs <laughs> using local ingredients and some of the cocktails that that you won the competition with um i i think for our listeners i think we'd like how can they learn to be like you? <laughs> I mean, you just won a major competition. You know, what are the resources available? I'm a bartender or a bar manager. 
um, in, 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 a, in a good in a good bar or restaurant, but I really want to up my game. And, you know, sometimes when you're working, you're 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 just working so much that you can't you can't step out of that and and, and learn more. Yeah. Well, you know, we're it's it's such an exciting time right now. I feel like, you know, a few years ago there weren't as many great resources for bartenders as there are today. And especially since it sounds like a lot of your listeners are interested in beer mostly, um, cocktails can be a little intimidating, right? So the resource I send everyone to is DiageoBarAcademy.com. And essentially, Diageo Bar Academy is a massive wealth of free online resources. It's something that I very much wish I had known about when I began bartending because I did it a little bit the hard way instead. But essentially, you're going to find on there information about spirit categories, about how to create great cocktails, how to rank great menus, and then also more and more of this information that we've been talking about, which is about sustainability and what sustainability initiatives are, and even how you can work toward a lower waste initiative in your own bar. That's great. The other option that I'll mention too is the world-class studios. I'm actually, I just taught a world-class studio in Dallas, Texas last week, um, but we have studios where that are like in-person resources for bartenders as well on a variety of topics. The one I taught was on no and low-proof cocktails, but we always, we're always coming out with new exciting topics too. Yeah, we, and we were just talking about your, your non-alcoholic cocktail. What, what's a, what are a couple low-proof cocktails? Because I, I feel like, you know, People want to have like a kettle one a splash of that in, in soda water. Um, but I want something a little more thoughtful. Exactly. Yeah. You want something a little more interesting, but also, you know, maybe you want to have several of them and, you know, foolproof cocktails can be a little much. Uh, that's something that World Class is really focused on this year in particular for the World Class competition, which is open right now. Uh, applications are open until November 15th. And the first challenge is actually it's called ready set spritz and it's making a spritz which we think of as something that is like fizzy and low proof and meant to be enjoyed in kind of a carefree way enjoyed usually before a meal or you know something if you want to go a little lower abv so i'm going to be honest i'm very excited that people are excited about these things right now in my opinion when you're making a great spritz you need three things you need something bubbly you need something bitter and you need something either fresh or fruity. So, you know, uh, like spritzes are a great example of that. Of just like, you know, like think of like the Aperol spritz. Everyone knows it. You've got like that bitter, that fruity and fresh and also something a little zippy with your mix of soda water and sparkling wine. Oh, yeah. And so you could also do it with a, a sparkling cider um as well right yeah absolutely absolutely and again you can even you know make these things non-alcoholic if you want you can use something like a a, a no proof spirit or you know a non-alcoholic spirit um as long as you're getting kind of that, that bitter quality in there i actually have a cocktail on my menu right now that is a non-alcoholic tonic essentially so it's taking you know again we're in fall here in minnesota so it is pear and apple and ginger and cinnamon uh, mixed with a little bit of gentian for some bitterness and made into just like a light, refreshing, but still kind of autumnal non-alcoholic cocktail. Wow. And then for, what about flavor profiles for you? Like mouthfeel, you know, we, 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 what do we do? We, we, we look at a drink, we smell it, but the, the mouthfeel is important. Yeah. Do you want to create balance? You know what? It, it, you have different, different moods. You want different, different types of balance in your drink. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, that's such a good point, but it's important to think about that, you know, you start drinking a drink the moment you walk into a bar is the way I like to think (laughs) about it, right? So, right, like if you walk in and like the music is weird or the crowd is real weird or like the lights are up way too high, like you instantly aren't having the right experience. So it's important when you're doing these things to think about that, like person's drinking a drink the second they walk in the door. And how do you create a great experience for them in that way? So yeah, things that are beautiful and smell good and mouthfeel is a a huge component, especially when making non-alcoholic cocktails. That's the thing is alcoholic spirits do really give you a like textural component that can be hard to replicate. Um, You know, like if you think if you had water that tasted like whiskey it just, and you tried to make a Manhattan with it, it wouldn't be the same, right? Because water and whiskey have a totally different texture in your mouth. So it's, it's something that you often have to think about when making either no or low proof cocktails. It's like, how do you get that texture? Often it can be through a little bit more sugar, but can also, also be done in a little bit more of a creative way. So well, I like that you think about other ingredients like ginseng and, you know, different b- b- bittering ingredients. I'll tell you, talking about the atmosphere of a bar. Um, I like your flip with that served in a teacup <laughs> because it's the kind of thing. If I walked in and I saw someone drinking that drink out of a teacup, I definitely want to know what what it is. And glassware is really important too. Um, you know, what, what if you're setting up? Let's say you're going to go set up a master class. Do you, do you have anything about glassware or you know um, bar management? Yeah. So I mean. I think about these things a lot because my favorite thing is really to think about menus in a holistic way. A menu should never be just a collection of separate cocktails. It needs to work together cohesively, right? Um, It needs, think of it almost like a playlist or an album, you know, like there's a reason you don't like go to your favorite album by a musician and put it on random, right? You want to hear it in the order they wanted you to hear it in. And so I think about cocktails need to all fit together. And so glassware is definitely part of that, of having a variety of options for people and, and knowing that like people take glassware really seriously. I, I have a wonderful bar regular who comes into my bar very often and we have a daily cocktail. So it's something that's done differently every day. And her first question right away is always, what kind of glass does it come in? Because she wants something that's like beautiful and, and she likes to hold in her hand, you know, and that might make or break it for her right away. So it's, it's something that's on people's minds. No, that's that's gets me thinking. I want to try out your cocktail of the day. I love it. <laughs> you got to come to Minneapolis. <laughs> I got it. And um, you know, talking about you know learning. Uh, I remember when I first started out in the business, I was really passionate, and I took a sommelier class, and I had wine books and cookbooks, and and every night after work, I'd I'd stay up and 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 read to, to learn more, and. Um, what kind of like e-learning do you guys have? Because because now I feel like I I read everything online or everything's on on my on my phone. Is there like an e-learning component for the this Diageo Bar Academy? Yeah, exactly. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm still looking at cookbooks and uh, cocktail recipe <laughs> books very often. Um, spent too much money on those over the years. But uh, yeah, as part of DiageoBarAcademy.com, there are so many resources there for learning, including even like there are like quizzes to help you get better. But mostly it's going to be just information provided. And again, free information um, to help you in a variety of ways. I like to use the search function 
on Diageo Bar Academy because it just helps me navigate to exactly what I want right away. And so, you know, even like going in and typing in the word sustainability is going to bring up a lot of different resources for you on, you know, how to incorporate sustainability into your life or your bar program. Yeah. Hey, you know, um, when I think about going online to look up recipes or, or how to make a cocktail, I kind of assume there's going to be a video. <laughs> do, do you guys have videos as well? Yeah, there are videos on there as well. Uh, there are even some tools that can be very practical for you, um, like the ABV calculator. That when we're talking about making a low alcohol cocktail is perfect. There's an ABV calculator that basically you just, you know, it's going to do the math for you. So if I like look at my bottle of Kettle One Vodka and I see it has 40% alcohol and I know I'm going to put, you know, one and a quarter ounces in the drink, but I also want half an ounce of vermouth. And that said, you know, 14% alcohol, I can plug these things in, I can say it's going to have three ounces of soda, whatever it is, I can plug all that information in, and it's going to give me the exact ABV of the cocktail. And that's going to help me determine a lot of things determine if it's too high, if it's too low, you know, if I'm presenting it as like a standard cocktail, am I going to have guests that are disappointed? Or is it, you know, too high to be a low ABV cocktail? Or even, you know, how am I going to do my pricing? It might sort of influence a lot of those things. Yeah. So that ABV calculator is one of my kind of, it's one of my tabs that's always open. <laughs> so, so so what do you target for ABV? I mean, we, we know with beer, it's like, you know, you want your lager 4%, you know, maybe a, a red wine's 12, 13%. Um, you know, how do you do that? I mean, 40% per, for, you know, alcohol i don't even understand how it works yeah so um essentially i like to think of it as i mean one thing that's really important to think about is that if you're saying that something is a non-alcoholic cocktail it really needs to be at zero percent alcohol um you don't want to fudge that at all because we never know the reasons people are choosing not to drink i think it's very tempting to make a like delicious non-alcoholic cocktail that you know it would just be a little bit better with like a few dashes of angostura bitters in there but maybe that's right for some guests, but it's important that we're always making sure that like, if we're saying it has no alcohol in it, that we're sticking to that. So that could even mean doing things like using bitters that are glycerin based instead of alcohol based. So that's how I think about no alcohol um, cocktails or, or zero proof. Um, for low proof, you generally want to think about the ABV of a glass of wine or below, right? So something that's hitting in the like 12% or below alcohol and then, you know, standard above that. Wow. Well, that's, that's good to know, because I'm always out with different friends, and you kind of want to explain to people, you know, ex exactly what they're drinking. Um, you know, uh, I love talking to, to people in the industry, like yourself, who've really, like, you know, risen to a new level. Um, you know, th there's so many talented people, but hard work's such a big part of it. And then also uh, education. I mean, do do you want to give credit to the Diageo Bar Academy and do you feel like it's really helped elevate your game? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I want to say I've worked, you know, really hard, but I've also uh, been able to, you know, benefit from a lot of systems of privilege that are not open to everyone that have helped me succeed throughout my career. But there are also so many resources and fantastic people out there that are willing to help you. Diageo Bar Academy obviously is a fantastic accessible resource because it is exactly that it's free for anyone um to be able to learn but for me really the world-class journey was about the people that i met and the people that have continued to help me in my career since then and you know it hasn't been that long but really making connections with these fantastic 
industry leaders and getting to know them and even getting feedback from them. So for example, in the competition at every round, no matter how you did, if you won, if you lost, whatever, you would get really detailed feedback from the judges. And that's the type of thing that's helped me succeed. So that at every round I could see like, oh, okay, this is what I did wrong. Here's how I'm going to fix it for the next one. Oh, and are you going on to the, the international competition? That has already taken place. It was in Sydney, Australia a few oh. weeks ago. Oh my gosh, about a month ago. It's been a minute now. <laughs> wow, and so. I, uh, I was, it was a fantastic time. It was uh, over 50 bartenders from around the world, one representing each country. I made the top 10 and I feel really great about that. And a fantastic bartender from Norway took it for the world. We're excited for him. Wow. And then was it the same format as 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 the one in the States? It was pretty similar. There were different challenges. There were actually some really cool challenges that really focused on sustainability, including there was like a, uh, you know, Johnny Walker um, scotches are really, really uh, focused on sustainability and creating less waste and, and wasting less water and moving toward more sustainable packaging. They even have this really cool like paper bottle that we're going to be seeing in the States really soon. Uh, but there was a highball competition in the global round that was um, taking waste ingredients and making them into a delicious cordial that you would put in a Johnny Walker Black Label highball. And for that one, I used um, I used uh, plum scrap because my restaurant had like little ugly pieces of fresh plums from a dessert. And I used basil stems and spent coffee grounds, which sounds like a very weird combination, but I swear to you, it was delicious and ended up uh, making a cordial with that for my highball. Wow. No, that, that, that's a great way to think about, about cooking. I kind of do that too. If, if I have onion peels, I, I feel like I'm going to work it in, into my cooking, you know, when, when I'm making something. Um, I was joking with a friend. Uh, I, I know composting is, is part of this, but I, I'll eat an apple and I'll chew it down to the last little seed or, or the stem. And I'll say, that's my food waste. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I, I get stems and seeds and all that is, is, is exciting. There's a lot of flavor there too, you know? I mean, you, you might as well uh, cook with it or, or make it into an ingredient, right? Um, nothing, nothing gets wasted. Yeah, when we were talking about shrubs, shrubs are a great way to use food waste. You know, maybe you are baking an apple pie for, you know, the holidays coming up here and you peel all your apples first. Well, you can either throw those peels in the compost or you can mix them with some champagne vinegar and some sugar and put it in your fridge for 24 hours. And next you'll have a nice like apple skin shrub. It'll get like a beautiful red color and some nice flavor. Put a splash of that in some soda water and you know, you can add a splash of scotch if you want to or not, but you're going to have something delicious that was kind of came from nothing. Yeah. And, and this like about packaging. So that, that, that kind of fits into the, the larger scale where, where waste really, really needs to be thought about. Um, what are some of the initiatives that Johnny Walker's doing in terms of packaging? Yeah, so they are working toward, you know, by uh, 2030, they're going to have net zero carbon output. So, you know, not producing any more carbon than they are reducing, essentially, um, using 100% renewable energy, and then creating packaging that is mostly recycled and mostly recyclable as well. So they actually have this really fantastic paper bottle that I 
don't want to be quoted on this, but I believe it's already in circulation in other in many other countries, but we don't have it here in the U.S. quite yet. Um, where you know, I think they're working through red tape on that one. But you have essentially a recycled paper bottle, which is less heavy. It's like way lighter in weight, uses less water to produce, and is just like way more sustainable and better for the environment. Wow, that's great! You know, you, you're you're affiliated with some really great brands, and uh, I'm I'm getting thirsty, <laughs> especially talking about <laughs> your your apple skin shrub. That that just sounds just what I want right now. With maybe something fizzy and spritzy with it. Um, oh yeah. Well, is there something that we didn't talk about that, that, that you'd like to tell our listeners? Cause you know, you're, you're pretty neat. You're very thoughtful and, um, you know, you just won this great competition. Thank you. Well, I appreciate it so much. I'm so grateful to be here. I'm grateful for all of these experiences that I'm getting to have this year and all the people that I'm getting to meet. And I would just say, you know, think about, I, I think there are so many easy, small ways for us to incorporate a little bit more thoughtfulness and a little more sustainability into our bars or restaurants or breweries or whatever it may be. And then also when you're sourcing ingredients, if you're thinking about, you know, putting a cocktail on a menu or even just, you know, setting up your back bar at home, what are, what products are you going to choose? And I think, you know, it's an exciting time where consumers are thinking a little bit more about how their values align with the values of these larger companies. And I keep doing that. If you're excited about sustainability, figure out what the best brands are for it and stock your bar with those brands. Well, that's great. That That's a great way to end it. Well, J- Jesse, thanks so much for joining me here on uh, Beer Sessions Radio. Uh, big shout out to the Diageo Bar Academy. Uh, thank you to our engineer, Armin Spengen. And I'm Jimmy Carboni. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. See you later. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Beer Sessions Radio is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.